It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome to the latest episode of our new podcast, Go Atlanta, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm the AJC's arts and entertainment editor, Shane Harrison. We're here every Thursday to introduce you to the most interesting people, places, and things to do in and around Atlanta. This is the podcast to get you ready for the weekend. I'm Yvonne Zussel from the AJC's food and dining team, and I'll tell you how you can help a beloved restaurant that's hit some hard times. I'm Rodney Ho, AJC entertainment reporter, and I'll talk the songs with Barry Manilow. And this week, we have a special guest, our real-life columnist, Nedra Roan. Welcome, Nedra. Thanks, Shane. I'm here to tell you all about Santa Claus and all the many different iterations that he's taking these days. And you may hear our other special guest, Gugu, who may pant and grunt, but probably won't add much to the conversation since she's a bulldog. If you're listening to this podcast on AJC.com, please take a moment to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so you'll never miss an episode. This is Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. First up on this week's episode, uh, we're going to talk about Santas. Uh, and Nedra has written a column that explores all of the different uh, iterations of Santa. The Santa is no longer just the the jolly old bearded white guy in a red suit, right? Well, some people think he is, and that's part of the problem. (laughs) (laughs) I had a very interesting conversation with Nick Sweeney, who is the director of a new film that's streaming on HBO Max called Santa Camp. And um, he connected with me through a 2016 story that I wrote um, about the Mall of America hiring their first black Santa. And there was quite an uproar uh, when that happened. Right. And um, so he spent some time at a Santa camp, a summer camp, actually, in New England, uh, where they are looking for very diverse Santas. Um, So they actually go out and they get a um, transgender Santa. They find a Santa with a disability. They find a black Santa from Arkansas and bring them all out to their camp and train them on, you know, how to be the best Santa they can be. Right. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. So when, when did this happen in, in at the Mall of Georgia? The, that was 2016. I mean, not Mall of Georgia. It was Mall, Mall of America. Mall yeah, of America. Minnesota. Yeah, 2016 is yeah. when that happened. So oh, this has so been a recent. conversation that has been, you know, ongoing for, what, five years, six years? Yeah. It's been a while. That, I mean, yeah. But it's it seems amazing that in recent times that there would be such an uproar 
about something like that. Yeah, well, the funniest part was, well, not funny at all, actually. Um, (laughs) Santa Chris, who is the black Santa from Arkansas, um, decided that he wanted to go to Santa Camp because he um, had a neighbor who sent him a letter telling him that he should not be putting an inflatable Santa on his lawn who was African-American. And, you know, that that was a problem. And don't you know that, you know, Santa's white. Right. And Chris was like, but... I could be Santa. And that's kind of how he started his Santa journey. Um, right. There's a, a scene in the documentary where um, Nick is standing outside while trans Santa, a.k.a. Santa Levi, is uh, speaking to some children at a church in the Chicago area. And he's confronted by the Proud Boys. And oh, wow. they're standing there holding a sign saying, um, save Santa. And he's like, you know, what are we, what are we talking about? And the guy says, well, you know, they're destroying Santa Claus. And, you know, um, his his buddy says, and really, you know, the Bible that I read says that this is a sin. And Nick is like, uh, Santa Claus isn't in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, to me, that kind of was exemplary of the way that we feel about Santa. It's all emotion. It's you sure. Know, it's not always based on fact. Yeah. Um, and that, to me, is an argument for Santa being whatever we want him to be. Sure. Well, I mean, to me, it's just it's like like, you know, a, a play or, you know, a TV show or something like that. You can cast something however you want um, because, you know, it's Santa and, you know, we don't want to. Well, people you know, get very upset about casting as well, as we do. know. Yes, true. That's right. It's they true. Do. Yes, there's no such thing as colorblind casting. Right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. But, it, you know, it was funny because at the uh, at the end of our interview, Nick talked about, you know, himself. He identifies himself as a Pakistani Australian gay man. Um, and he was like when when he was growing up, his experience with Santa was he wanted a Barbie doll that wore a sari. And he was terrified to ask Santa right. for that because he was like, you know, he just knew something is wrong with that. You know, like Santa's right. probably not going to bring me that toy. Yeah. And, you know, it, he even said, he was like, if I had one of these Santas that was training at Santa Camp, maybe that would have been different for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you see that in his film where kids are excited to see a Santa Claus that either looks like them or maybe has other attributes that they have, you know, and they're opening up in ways that they probably wouldn't to, you know, what we think of as a mainstream Santa. And, you know, the whole thing, honestly, is crazy because if you actually spend time looking at history and the history of Santa Claus, you learn that Santa has very often taken on the attributes of the community that Santa is in, that Santa's representing. And so, you know, in a way, we're not, this isn't destroying Santa Claus and, you know, destroying Santa Claus's history. It's actually going back to what history originally was. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, because now we think so often of of the the Santa that that many people think of is the Santa that Coca Cola gave us. Yes, really. Right. He's pretty manufactured. Yeah. Yeah. With the rosy cheeks and the the red right. suit and all that. I mean, Santa used to wear like blue and yellow. Right. He wasn't even red. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Italy, Santa was a woman. I mean, it's just you know whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the Atlanta marketing department that kind of reframed Santa. (laughs) Well, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it it was, you know, it started like in the the late 1800s, really, is when, you know, writers and authors of the time, they would write, you know, it was uh, the guy who, I'm going to forget his name, wrote The the Night Before Christmas. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was huge and sort of forming the way that people thought about who Santa Claus is and how Santa Claus looks. Um, And you just get so much of that layered over the years that right. it just, you know, implants itself in our brains and right. we can't we can't get rid of it. So people get mad, they get angry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like American culture is like permeated so much and I guess it, you know, that sort of became 
the the Santa that so many people see. But I mean, if you go to other countries, it's not always like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Santa has a different name. Santa has a different look. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it's it's very much based on what we feel. I think. Yeah. And and like you said, I mean, it's good for for kids to see. You know, a Santa that that they can relate to. I think. I mean, it just like just like Barbie dolls and things like that. It's it. You know, it gives them, you know, more confidence. More. You know, it just it makes sense yeah. to 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 give them, you know, something that they can relate to. Right. So. Yeah. I think we have to get past this idea that having multiple representations of something diminishes. The thing, right. you know, um, right. and I feel like that's kind of what happens with Santa is like, you know, well, you, you can't have another Santa because this is Santa. It's right. like, well, no, you can have many different sure. Santas and they're all they're all valid and they're all serving a purpose. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was one um, one of the founding members of the Santa Society, which puts on this camp every summer. The way he said it was um, very um, it was very simple, but he was like he died actually before the film was made. So he didn't get to see um, how it all turned out. But he would always say God created no junk so it just doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> oh that's true it's a very I, I watched the trailer and I definitely shed many tears so yeah. it's yeah. very heartwarming it was yeah, yeah. well that's mm-hmm. awesome so uh, Nedra's column uh, I believe uh, is in the paper today today and yes. it's online already online already so yeah. you can read it at, every Thursday yeah, in the AJC yeah, every Thursday <laughs> Nedra's real life column runs and uh, you can find it uh, at AJC.com. So thanks so much for talking to us about this. Thanks for having me. And uh, we also want to talk about some happenings on uh, Atlanta's dining scene. There are things that are closing, things that are opening, and uh, ways for you to help. Yeah. Right? So uh, Ticonderoga Club, which is uh, you know, a pretty beloved restaurant inside the Crog Street Market Food Hall in Inman Park, they, uh, after... Navigating the pandemic successfully, uh, they have hit another roadblock, a pipe burst in the restaurant uh, last weekend, and it caused a ton of damage. The restaurant is canceling. They were fully booked for uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Um, All of those reservations have been canceled, and they're going to be closed indefinitely. Um, There are thousands of dollars worth of damage, which is very unfortunate. But uh, Paul Calvert, who's one of the owners of the restaurant, is married to Sarah O'Brien, who owns Little Tart Bake Shop, uh, which has two locations in Atlanta. And the Grant Park location is going to be hosting two fundraising parties, uh, one tonight, uh, December 22nd, and the other one is December 23rd. Tickets are $100. Um, They're available on the restaurant's website. And um, all proceeds are going to go to pay wages for Ticonderoga Club employees um, while the restaurant is closed. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it's really unfortunate, but uh, they are hoping to to obviously get back to business as soon as possible. Yeah. That's the thing a lot of people don't think about. It's like, when a restaurant is damaged like that, yeah, sure, there's insurance and all that that will, you know, help them get back. But but the employees uh, are out of a job basically yeah. for a while, and so you know they've lost that income. Exactly, and, and there's no way for them to know. Like, should I look for a new job? Should I wait until the restaurant reopens? Right. And so, um, yeah, Ticonderoga Club and Little Tart both uh, also give their employees insurance and that's uh something that's that's, uh, they they both had uh added a surcharge to customers bills in 2021 and uh they use that toward insurance for their employees so uh which is pretty unheard of uh i think in general on the dining scene but certainly in atlanta so um so yeah really hoping that they can they can get back 
get back soon. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's such a shame. I mean, one of their neighbors, Watchman's, just closed, and and it's it's yep. it's, it's it's tough times for restaurants. So. It is. Um, although the owners of Watchman, which I think uh, Lagaya discussed uh, on the podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, they also own Kimball House in yep. Decatur, and they were just able to buy their building. Yeah, I love that. So uh, yeah, so you know, there's <laughs> yeah. they they suffered a couple things uh, this year that were not great, but then you know that's definitely a silver lining for them. I think. Yeah, I so. love their their social media posts about that you know they never thought when they uh, um, started a restaurant that they would end up owning a, a hundred year old depot. yeah historic building yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I know it's it's a great story yeah well uh, Ticonderoga Club is not the only thing that's closed uh, recently either so yeah that is true so I mean just to make it clear Ticonderoga Club is a temporary closure yeah. there obviously though have been some sad uh, permanent closures of late one of them is Adele's not too far away on Edgewood closed last week after just nine months, um, which is too bad. We gave it a pretty, Lagaya gave it a pretty glowing review uh, earlier this year. And, uh, you know, it seemed like it it would do well. It had a beautiful patio, obviously right off the belt line. And um, yeah, and the the owner, Red Pebble Hospitality Group, which is the restaurant group that owns the restaurant, didn't really give it a reason for the closure. And in fact, they are still planning on opening another restaurant in Old Fourth Ward. That, that, Hmm restaurant group. Yeah. Are there a couple of other Adele's as well? There's one yeah. in Nashville. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And that's actually where the the uh, restaurant group is based. So yeah, they have several other restaurants in other cities, but um, this was their only one. Oh, that's not true. They also own Emmy Squared. Yeah. Um, and Emmy right. Squared, there are two Atlanta locations of that. So um, yeah, so it's it's too bad. Uh, I'd been there a, a couple times and I really enjoyed it. So yeah. Um, yeah, sad to see it go. Yeah. Um, another soon-to-close restaurant on Buford Highway is uh, Hello Chicken. It specializes in Korean fried chicken. And um, the owner just was tired, basically. Right. <laughs> she needed a break, and she was very <laughs> candid about that when I talked to her. Her family's been in the restaurant business in Metro Atlanta for, like, uh, over three decades. Right. And um, she's worked in the, in the industry for that long as well, and she just... Um, yeah, it was just too much. She said competing with similar concepts, looking for employees. She said she was working seven days a week, and so she's she's taking a break. But she hopes to come back to Buford Highway uh, with a streamlined version of the restaurant in the future. Yeah. So. Cool. And yeah. and something also has reopened. Pizza Jeans. Pizza Jeans. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Yes, Pizza Jeans has reopened on the first floor of Pond City Market. So they were on the second floor, and um, they closed temporarily to make the move, and they moved into the former farm-to-ladle space. Okay. Uh, that's a concept that had closed earlier this year. Right. And they're offering whole pies and what they're calling mall slices, <laughs> so just giant slices of pizza. Yeah. Um, so if you want to get by the slice, you have that option, too. They also have several sandwiches on the menu and uh, some cocktails as well. So. Cool. Yeah. And the owners of that concept, one of them is Chris Wilkins, who owned Rude Baking Company, and he co-owns Pizza Jeans along with Billy Streck, who is a pretty well-known Atlanta restaurateur. He owns uh, Nina and Rafi Mm. and Pie Land. So this is going to be his third pizza concept in Metro Atlanta. He also owns... uh, Hampton and Hudson in Indian yeah. Park. So, yeah, so excited to to try the the new iteration of uh, Pizza Jeans. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, this is Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. 
A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back on Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and now we're going to talk about some of what's new, uh, what we have uh, working this week. Wendell Brock is back, which we've mentioned on a previous uh, podcast doing um, some uh, writing for us, and he's going to be doing a culinary journey on La Samilla, right? And He is, yes. Um, so La Samilla is the brick-and-mortar version of Happy Seed, which is a plant-based Latin concept, Latin food concept. And so, yeah, he talks to the owners who I believe have now gotten married. I know <laughs> I don't know if they're still engaged or they're they've already gotten married, right. but um but yeah, and so uh they launched it as a as a pop-up and uh this is sort of their labor of love and they're finally uh about to open uh in Reynolds Town. So it's yeah. very exciting and he he has a, a really nice piece to to kind of explain what the the concept is and and kind of the journey of this couple and and bringing their their dream to fruition. Right. So well, yeah, and if you haven't seen our culinary journey series, they're they're really great stories about you know people people's journey to to where they are in you know in their their career in their life their their restaurant their whatever they're doing uh, related to food and uh, this is just another great one about uh, about that yeah. so. Uh, and also look for that's going to be, I believe, on Saturday uh, in the print paper, and uh, that's not online yet, but we'll, we'll have it. We'll have it up very soon, so you can find that at ajc.com. And also coming Friday, we'll have Lagaya's review of Palo Santo, um, yep. right? That's mm-hmm. uh, and a, a roundup of places where you can get caviar, which seems perfect for this time of year. Yes, and there are restaurants that uh, do caviar service year-round, but obviously, you know, giving it uh, extra attention this time of year. Yeah, yeah, of course. All right, and uh, Rodney recently spoke with Barry Manilow, right? Yeah, 79 years old, still going strong. He does mostly residency at the Westgate in Las Vegas, but yeah. he occasionally hits the road for a few dates. Um, he says to help out his crew and his um, his you know his band, mm-hmm. give them some extra work. He doesn't really need to tour, right? You know? <laughs> but he's coming to State Farm on, on January 19th, and he also has a foundation. He helps provide money to schools and to teachers, you know, to pay for musical instruments. So he right. has like a little contest where you can nominate a teacher from Atlanta, a music teacher, uh, until the, I think December 28th. Yeah. And the one that gets the most votes, I guess, gets VIP tickets and $10,000. That's to, great. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Nice. So yeah, you can, uh, you can find Rodney's interview with him, uh, on AJC.com. Uh, and, uh, I think we'll provide a link to, to where you can do that yeah, uh, yeah, for, no. for your favorite teacher, which keep in mind that the deadline is December 28th. So. But he's also coming to town. That's in January? January so? 19th at the January State 19th. Farm Arena. Yeah, tickets are still available. And, um, you know, he'll, he'll sing all the hits, you know. Yeah. Can we sing a few hits so. right hmm? now? Can we sing some hits? <laughs> if you want to sing Nandy. Uh, I write the songs that make the polar Nedra. Oh, you came in. 
<laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, of course the irony is he never wrote that song. That was Bruce Johnston of the right. Beach Boys who wrote the song. Oh, so yeah. ironic. I know, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> but he uh, did write a bunch of stuff. So. Yeah, he yeah. did write most of his big yeah. hits. So Copacabana. It, right, uh, looks like we made it, which we talked about. Yeah. Looks like we made it. Yeah, <laughs> we, I, I love the story about looks like we made it here. He talks about how it's he finds it so odd that, that they but, use yeah, it. People often use that song, you know, at weddings or they, they, they hear the title and say, looks like we made it. Sounds like a, an inspirational song when in fact it's really just about somebody who sees an ex and it, it's kind of actually sad. Yeah, it's more of a breakup song. A breakup song, yes. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... But yeah, that's there's there's a long history of people misinterpreting things like that. Yeah. For, uh, yep. Born in the USA. <laughs> yeah, for, exactly. Yeah, for different different things, and um, you also talked to uh, an Atlanta actress, uh, Robin Crawford. No, yes, no, 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 no. no. The Atlanta, you t- you also talked to an Atlanta <laughs> actress who plays Robin Crawford, right? Um, who was who claimed in her memoir that she was uh, Whitney Houston's lover, right? That is correct. Um, yeah, Whitney, I guess never actually acknowledged it yeah. publicly, um, but the movie really leans into the relationship, uh, right? And the movie comes out on Friday in the theaters. It's 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 actually quite touching and a little sad, just because we all know kind of how it ends, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Um, but they they do some really good reenactments of some of the iconic moments in her career, you know, like the national anthem in 1991 and redoing some of her great videos, you know, how will I know? And I want to dance with somebody. Um, and they, they do some really, you know, it's very impressive how much work they put into reenacting them. And now Naomi Akia is the actress who plays Whitney Houston. She doesn't, exactly look like her but i think she does a good job embodying her mm-hmm. spirit yeah. and, that, and that and that's what um you know the actress i spoke to said uh her, her name is nafisa williams and she right. plays robin crawford yeah and um yeah their relationship seems you know if you know assuming that this is realistic is it seemed like a very tight relationship yeah and, and a very caring one and somehow nafisa swallowed her own you know need to want to be with whitney in a more intimate level and watching her instead you know, marry Bobby Brown. It must have been not fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the movie was approved and produced, wasn't it, by the estate? Clive Davis also yeah. uh, so was, they was active. But I don't think Robin Crawford was uh, involved. Yeah. She had a, right. she wrote a memoir about about her relationship with Whitney a couple of years ago. And uh-huh. I, apparently, you know, I spoke with Nafisa and she used that book heavily in trying to sort of embody mm. uh, Who wrote Robin. the script for? I'm not sure who wrote yeah. the script. Mm. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, um, it sounds like they, they might have, you know, Taken things from the the memoir though, and from, borrowed know, liberally. Yes, from other places, but yeah, yeah. So the the movie is out uh, on uh, Friday, December twenty third, and Rodney's story, uh, his interview with the actress, uh, is online at ajc.com now. Uh, so you can go and check that out and check out the movie, uh, and also uh, for things that we're working on that are coming, uh, you talk to um, some of the folks who are doing the new ABC series, Will Trent, which is based on uh, Karen Slaughter's book, right? Oh, are you, um, Nedra, are you familiar <laughs> with Huge these fan. Books? Hey, Karen. I oh, know. I spoke with Karen Slaughter. She's wonderful. She's a delight. Yeah, she um, just had a Netflix series uh based on her, her her book, Pieces of Her, and now she's got this. I, I think she was trying to get a TV or film deals for years, and suddenly she's got two in one year. Uh, this one will debut on January 3rd. It's based yeah, on a series, uh, a detective named Will Trent out of, you know, I think he's part of the uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigations. Uh, and um, Was it remote- filmed here? 
It was filmed. It's filmed here. Yeah, it's shooting right now here. Uh, and Ramon Rodriguez yeah, all is the, the star set in, in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. It's in very, Georgia, very yeah. Atlanta. And they mm-hmm. they lean heavily into like in the one of the earliest scenes of the first episode. Of course, Will Trent is stuck in traffic. You know, and it, you know, right <laughs> off. It looked like it's right off seventy five eighty five. It looks very you know, downtown connector or something. Yeah. It felt very very realistic. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I have this idea of Will Trent in my head, and I'm afraid to actually see. Yeah, who's I don't playing. know if he necessarily <laughs> is exactly what is described. In yeah. the book, I think you know Ramon. I think is a little shorter and a little squatter than what Karen probably imagined. But he's you know he still has all the weird quirks that mm. Will possesses. You know he he dresses really well and um, you know is smarter than everybody else, <laughs> as many of these types of detectives are, Great. <laughs> as you can imagine. So so look for that uh, in the coming days, and the the show actually will debut in early January, right? Yes, January third. All right. And this week's Go Guide, we're going to be focusing on places to celebrate the new year for both families and adults. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. And the following week in Go Guide, we'll uh, highlight some of the things the winter into spring season on the local Atlanta theater scene will bring us. So look out for that. This Sunday's Living in Arts section on December 25th, Christmas Day, uh, we've got a really sweet first-person story about the dessert porch. And uh, so take a look, and uh, we'll tell you more about what that means. And we also have a look at the best Southern books of 2022. And now it's time for our pet of the week. Tommy is a handsome gent who loves all people from children on up. He's never met a stranger, and if you give him a treat, he will oh so gently take it from your hand to seal the deal on your friendship. Tommy also loves to play with toys. He'll happily spend the afternoon silencing a squeaker toy, running around with a rope toy hanging out of his mouth, or gnawing on a bone. He's well-behaved in the home and listens to many cues, including sit, and getting on and off the furniture. The adorable three-year-old Tommy is ready to meet you at Lifeline's Community Animal Center at 3180 Presidential Drive in Atlanta. You'll find a photo of Tommy and a link to his shelter profile on the story page for this podcast at AJC.com. Thanks for listening to Go Atlanta. We release new episodes every Thursday morning to keep you in the loop of all the great things Atlanta has to offer, whether it involves planning an outing or just giving you something to talk about with friends and family. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Thanks, as always, to Rodney Ho. Looks like we made it. <laughs> and to Yvonne Zussel. Hello. And to Ned Marone. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm Shane Harrison. Thanks for listening to our brand new podcast. We'll talk to you again next week for more ways to go Atlanta. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com 
and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.